you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the world. In the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. The CEOs, authors, thought leaders, visionaries, and motivators. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, folks. It's Voss here from thechrisvossshow.com. Thechrisvossshow.com. Welcome to the big show. 14 years, 1,400 episodes, going on 1,500 because I don't have anything to do with my bloody time. Make sure you refer the show to your family, friends, and relatives. Go to iTunes there and give us a five-star review. Somebody wrote a really ugly uh, one-star review last week because they don't like that we had a guest on that, uh, that was into a certain ex-president. And uh, I guess we talked about that, and they didn't like it. They gave you one star review, but as you know, we're we, we, you know we've had people from both sides of the aisle on here, so uh, you know we're not really that slant of a show. But geez, we got a one star review from this guy, and he was like, "This is a leftist show," and I'm like, you know, I think one of the guys who's running for president right now from the GOP we had on the show sh- uh, shortly ago. Uh, anyway, guys, uh, be sure for the show to your family, friends, and relatives, and help me fix that one-star rating, and uh, give us a five-star rating on iTunes. I beg of you, please, uh, go to iTunes, or go to goodreads.com, Foss, youtube.com, Foss, linkedin.com, Foss, and all the other places we are on the internet. We're going to be talking about leadership today, one of my favorite subjects, so much of my favorite subjects, I wrote a book on it, um, and uh, we've got two brilliant gentlemen who are going to be talking about leadership and uh well i don't know they may overthrow the whole premise of my book and whatever i've been doing since 18 uh they are the authors of the newest book that comes out august 29th 2023 leadership is overrated what i wrote a book about it i guess i shouldn't have leadership is overrated how the navy seals and successful businesses create self-leading teams that win kyle bucket and Chris Mefford is on the show with us today. They're here to talk about their latest book and all that good stuff. Welcome to the show, Kyle and Chris. How are you? Oh, we're doing great. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Thanks for coming. We certainly appreciate it. Uh, give us your dot coms. Where do you want people to find you guys on the interwebs? Well, we're we're cooler than dot coms these days uh, because we we want you to go to uh, uh, cultureforce dot team. Um, or if you're old school and you want to go to dot com, you can go to leadershipisoverrated.com and find us there. There you go. Uh, so uh, give us a bio from each of you guys. Give us a little bit of background, an origin story on both of you. I'll, let, uh, I'll go first, um, Chris, because whenever I go after Kyle, I feel really insignificant and I, it diminishes me quite a bit. So um, his I'm words, his words, words, not mine. He upstaged uh, you. Uh, but I'm in business. I've been in marketing and, and leadership for 20 years. Uh, I've worked at numerous organizations that have been voted best place to work uh, and uh, I love it. You know, these days I do a lot of coaching and leadership mastermind groups and just helping organizations figure out, uh, you know, how to step away from terrible leadership and, and find ways to generate revenue through through good leadership and good culture and good organizations. And uh, so many people want to talk about, you know, all the fun stuff that their business does, but they don't focus on how revenue is generated through great cultures and great leadership. And so they, uh, they get lost. But I've done that for, for many years and um, been in marketing for just as long and um, met Kyle. And here we are today. There you go. Kyle, give us the lowdown. Yeah, so I had a wonderful career in the military. Uh, I retired after 20 years 
uh, and I was a, C- a Navy SEAL uh, tactical leader. I got to do a lot of cool stuff, everything from single man loan operations all the way up to my largest uh, operation, which was 800 Marines, 24 tanks, 23 helicopters, seven jets, and an entire team of the Army uh, Civil Corps and Engineers as we were clearing uh, a province in uh, southern Kaligaz, uh, Helmand province. Holy and wow. so, uh, and, and a lot of things in between, right, uh, mm-hmm. over the years. And as well as I've started several small businesses, uh, helped my wife run her small business. And what we found over the years and what I've gotten really passionate about goes back to uh, back in 2000, which we'll get into, but just highlight real quick, uh, Chris, is in 2011, I was tasked with uh, taking a SEAL team in Afghanistan and going over there and trying to make an impact and change the culture uh, in, in the region by working by, through, and with the local population uh, right. to try and establish democracy in the region, right? But uh, the guys that I was uh, working with had just come back from a very arduous, very tactical, uh, you know, an action, action-packed uh, deployment. And in their last two weeks of their uh, deployment, uh, their hero, their Captain America, was shot down. Uh, his helicopter was shot down and he was killed. Oh, no. And so in comes, you know, Kyle Bucket and goes, hey, you know, the guys, the people that just uh, killed your best friend, that just killed your hero, that was going to be your commander, that I was going to be attached to, um, those people, we're going to go back in Afghanistan and we're going to work by, through, and with them to uh, to establish democracy in the region. We're going to be living with them. So I had to do kind of a double, you know, culture shift in the sense that we had to try and figure out, hey, how are we going to change this culture within the unit uh, to then go and change, you know, an Afghani culture? And so I got very interested in it. Uh, and started realizing, you know, I wish I would have had our book. Hey, selfish book. <laughs> but uh, how do we refine and create positive cultures that attract great people, right? Mm-hmm. Chris said it, you know, we believe great people make elite teams. Elite teams make organizations elite. And when you have elite organizations striving for excellence and mission, the world's a much better place. So we started nerding out on this concept of how we could do that. And that's uh, kind of what got us here today. There you go, man. That sounds like quite the party. You having all that uh, armory out there doing stuff. Uh, I told you he should go first or second. Yeah. I, yeah, I, right. yeah, you had to follow that. Hey, Kyle, today I impacted the culture of 22 people on the marketing team. Oh, that's great, Chris. I, I, I brought democracy to the Afghanistan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. You know, we've we've had a, a we've had a number of military people on, and me studying the military, our the U.S. military specifically. Uh, it 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 is amazing how we build, or I sh- I don't I really shouldn't say we because I'm not in the military, but America builds their military structure and their leadership structure, and you see the fallacies of of leadership structure in the Russia the Ukraine war, you know, how they have a different tiered system of generals or whatever the hell it is they do. Uh, drunken guys on vodka, evidently. Um, Cause it turns out they've gone from what is it? The second uh, most uh, powerful uh, army in the world to the second most powerful army in Ukraine as uh, right. secretary Blinken, I think said. Um, so you guys call this thing. Uh, leadership is overrated. Uh, show me on the doll where leadership hurt you. And why'd you call it that? 
Well, I'll, I'll take this on first. Um, you know, the world doesn't need another book on culture and on leadership, Chris. I mean, you know that you, you've got a whole show and made a whole career of this. Um, so that's not what you need to do. But as Kyle and I looked around and we looked at places that, you know, weren't awesome or they weren't great. And, we, you know, I was like, I, you know, I wasn't drawn to Kyle because it necessarily because he was this cool badass guy that was a navy seal that did all this incredible stuff i was drawn you know hey what do the seals do to keep all the bad stuff out all the bad people out of the organization and yet still remain world class that everyone looks up to and they get there and you know there's such a, a rigorous you know training they go through and all that but that that surely can't be the only thing um, that happens. And, you know, and I said, it's fascinating, you know, what good organizations do and how they manage and keep the bad things out and how they continue to, you know, attract top talent time and time again, you know, and why is it survey after survey year after year when, when people asked, you know, do you like your boss? 85% say I don't. And yet we spend $166 billion a year in this country, 300 billion globally on leadership development. <laughs> and so if that's the case, shouldn't everybody love their boss? Shouldn't every organization be thriving? Shouldn't everybody? And so we started to say, maybe this whole leadership structure that we've built, this whole this whole pyramid of books and TED Talks and everything in between um, from workshops to conferences, maybe that's what's broken. And how we go about building leaders and creating leaders uh, in this country is is just to sell more conferences and books. And it's not necessarily to make the team great. And what the SEALs focus on uh, are, are, the, are the, is the team, not the leader. And, you know, and the organizations I've worked with and that I've seen that have been great, it's, it's been a really a focus on the team and not the individual. And so we just said, hey, you know what, what if leadership is just overrated um, and we've made it that way? And so, you know, that's where we arrived at sort of a, a point on how we put this book together. There you go. You're, any thoughts you want to kick in there, Kyle, on that? Yeah, no, well said, Chris. Um, you know, additionally, the one thing that has always been fascinating to me, because I, I got I was so fortunate in the sense that I got to be raised by, you know, incredible individuals, tacticians and leaders uh, within the SEAL teams. And, you know, I, I, I became a student of trying to focus on like, how do how do we continue to thrive? How do we continue to succeed? How does the SEAL teams continue to innovate and bring in new technologies as guys are retiring, right? Mm -hmm. As guys are getting out. And, and it really, it focused me and honed me into one thing very specifically that we talk about in, in the book, which is, you know, we focus on replacing ourselves uh -huh. we, and it's a big piece of our culture. Mm -hmm. Um, a, a big piece of our culture is, you know, focusing on replacing yourself, growing the next guy or gal to come in and take over for you, uh, in certain areas. So, um, that's a, that's another thing I just wanted to add to what Kyle, why said. don't you go ahead? This is a great spot and tell him what we actually wanted to call the book. <laughs> I wanted, I wanted to call the book. This is funny. Uh, Chris Voss, I wanted to call the book, kill the leader. Wow. And so we're and so this is funny. We're going back and forth um with Harper Collins on this title literally on January 5th. Oh. And we're going back and forth back and forth and then January 6th happens and Chris and I get a call like on January 7th. Yeah. We got to change that name. No. Absolutely not. So we made chapter 1 kill the leader. But the premise is, and Kyle will share this, um, you know, the SEALs have this thing where as they practice getting ready for missions, they'll, they'll go up and say, hey, three minutes into the mission, three hours into the mission, you're dead. 
and you're the leader. And then they look to the rest of the team. Let me, and say, let me, you know, let me, let me clean that up a little bit. Kyle, so what I tell better steel stores than you, we both know that. that. <laughs> please, please, uh, so, please save so me. We will, we in training exercises, uh, you know, as a trainer, you know, for my, myself being a trainer as well, what we would do in the exercises, we would walk over to the commander on the mission, the officer in charge on the mission and say, all right, you just took a gunshot wound, you know, to the, to the heart or, you know, to the head or bottom line, you're out, play dead. And what it does is it forces the next in command, the next in charge to step up. And it does three things, really. It enables that individual to see, you know, what their merit is when they step into the role. It allows the the team to see and understand, but then it also allows the actual leader who's now playing dead, hey, how good of a job have I been doing? raising the next guy up. So it's a, so it's a pretty great exercise that, that we do from time to time. There you go. Now you said yeah. that, uh, 79% of people, you know, don't like their bosses. You talk in the book about how, uh, a lot of people, uh, leave their jobs usually due to poor leadership. You know, it's, it, they don't like their boss or, or whoever's there. Um, which is kind of a low number, actually, when you think about it. Uh, when they pull my employees, 60% of them said they hated me 110% <laughs> of the time. Every time, that's a joke. yeah, right. Um, yeah, right. What is that from? That's from a movie. That's from Anchorman. Um, that's from Anchorman. There you go. Thank you. Wait, Thank Anchorman's you. a San Diego guy, just like us. There you go. A hundred percent of the time. Uh, so, um, you know, the the thing about the military, and I forget, I believe there is a term for it. But one of the great things about the U.S. military is they they do what you guys talk about. Everyone is trained to where if there's a missing link in the chain of command or someone is taken out of position, that they can make decisions on the ground and they're not just lost in what to do in in, in an operational theater or some sort of right. you know scenario where they're you know like they just won't fall apart and be like, well, we we just lost our boss, so what do we fucking do? And right. I think that's really brilliant. Is there a tight? Is there a name for that? I think, I don't know. Uh, I mean, replacing yourself, you know, focusing yeah. on replacing yourself. But in terms Global of a, like a specific n nomenclature, uh, nothing comes to mind. I'm sure that we'll, I'll get some comments later on uh, yeah. from some of my friends, like, "Hey, dummy, this is what it's called." <laughs> and I think I, well, I think I've heard what it's called, so I'm in the dummy list now. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll just go in. You know, I, I was just reading the book "Citizen Soldier" about World War II, World War Two, and it was like, "Hey, how do you take a group of teachers and farmers and turn them into you know a world class uh, fighting group that you know takes on the mighty German um, you know juggernaut that's that's already out there?" And, and you know, the premise was, I think we typically think of the leadership as this top down staunch you know you obey every single order all the time no matter what and that's not really what america's military does is it's it teaches people how to solve problems um on their own so where the germans were unable to make those decisions because it was a true top-down organization mm -hmm. and so they were afraid to make a decision because they hadn't been told what to do uh, versus the citizens we brought in we we told them there's a command for the sense of structure but the reality was hey we're all solving problems together how do we do this how do we overcome it how do we win and that's right. you know I, th I think the true nature of, of what brings success is when you focus on the team itself and you don't say hey i'm the leader i have all the answers i know exactly what we're going to do and when we're going to do it and how we're going to do it and who we're going to do it with yeah, that's where leaders get into trouble and that's where they fail and that's what happened. Then the team starts to hate them because they they don't know what to do. They're embarrassed and they're too insecure. But when you start focusing on the team, 
And you say, hey, we're in this together and I don't have all the answers and I need your help and we're going to figure this all out. And here's my role. My role is to go present and bring everybody else in, get us the resources we need. But you and the team, your role is to help me and all of us solve this problem. It starts to change an organization. It starts to change the entire focus and, and really what it comes down to. Here's what's at stake, um, Chris, as Kyle was alluding to earlier, is uh, when people are disengaged and they're not fully focused, um, you know, 85% aren't fully engaged because they don't like their boss. They don't think they respect them. They don't appreciate, they're not appreciated by them. What that really means is they're not working at their peak. And so if people aren't working at their peak every day, they come in and put 50% in, 60% in, 30% um, based on this data. Uh, the reality is your company is not going to thrive. And so, uh, when you know, when I talk about, hey, a lot of people want to talk about fixing their culture, and they'll put a ping pong table in sort of a lunch room and say, hey, we play ping pong or That's pizza great. lunch, right? The reality is, there's a financial cost, uh, there's a people cost, and there's an opportunity loss mm -hmm. around all of this. And so, the financial cost is often overlooked. And so, in this book, leadership is overrated, where you can find it, leadershipisoverrated.com. Um, we really focus every single chapter on, hey, here's the revenue that's at stake when it pertains to empathy. Here's the revenues at stake when it, it, what's at stake with empowerment. Here's the opportunity that's lost because your team isn't working at their peak. And then what I call opportunity lost rather um, is that people don't want to go into leadership because they see that leaders aren't respected. They see that leaders aren't um, motivating and they're actually demotivating. And so they avoid it. So good leaders avoid it. And so there's that opportunity that doesn't happen. And so all of that comes into play. And, and that's why, again, we think this whole thing is, is a broken industry. It's a class structure gone bad. And we need to reset everything um, and start from scratch and say, okay, what, what do we do that really works? And we believe it's when you focus on the team. There you go. And so in, in the title of your book, it's there, Create Self-Leading Teams That Win. And I, I guess, uh, do you have the same surmise that I do that sometimes you're in organizations and they just, everyone just thinks the CEO is the leader. We're just like, I don't know, we follow whatever guy in the mountain says. And, you know, really when it comes down to it, everyone's a leader. Everyone can be a leader. You can be the guy in the street and something happens on the bus and, and you can be the guy who goes, hey man, you know, we're going to take charge of this group and whatever's happening is we're going to take control of it. Parents, a leader. Right. Um, right. I'm really surprised about how many parents don't think they're leaders. Um, and maybe they're not because maybe they're bratty little kids run the show. I've seen mm -hmm. that. What was that one uh, show? The nanny show. Um, but uh, so your, your guys' thing is, you know, building out teams inside of your organization and having, having people lead them from there. Is that correct? Correct. Correct. Yeah. And we believe in, you know, leadership at every level. And I know it sounds very elementary and everyone's like, duh, but then, but then we, but then we point back and go, well, well, hold on. Don't say duh. And then look at all the stats that Chris just rattled off, you know, 80% across America. And so what we really focus on is like we say in the, in the SEAL teams is you can have leadership at every single level, right? We, we focus on, Hey, when you get back, uh, from an operation, for example, right? You have to take care of, first, you have to take care of the team's gear. So that could be, you know, the the vehicles or the, the maritime platform, the boats, whatever it might be, right? We have to take care of that, the team gear. And then when we're done with that, we would take care of our platoon gear, 
right? Mm-hmm. And when we're done with that, when we're done with platoon gear, something that might be like Zodiacs that the platoon owns or something like that. Then when we're done with that, we take care of departmental gear. So maybe it's wow. sniper gear, elect- uh, explosive breacher gear, you, you know, you name comms gear, whatever, communication gear, whatever. Then when you're done with all of that, then you can take care of your personal gear, right? So it, and, but the point of, and now on the reverse side, you have leadership at every single level, right? Like you have to make sure that your gear's done right. And then the next one, and then, and then it goes in the reverse, right? And so we really preach, you know, in the SEAL teams that you can have leadership at every single level that someone can walk over and go, Hey, uh, boss, Hey Buck, my nickname when I was, you know, a a attack lead. Hey, Buck, your your gear's incorrect. Let me help you fix that. You know, mm-hmm. for example, right? And yeah. you know, you know, go ahead. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. So teamwork, leadership, and there, and then you guys talk about how to apply to that. Does a lot of the techniques you have in the book come from the Navy SEALs and and your guys' experience? Then, I would say I don't know if we put necessarily. It's a good question. I don't know if we put necessarily a ratio on it. Probably mm-hmm. bad on me, Chris, that Mefford, that, that I don't know. But I would probably say it's probably 50-50. Yeah, I think, Chris, what we wanted to do that was unique was we wanted to, you know, again, there, there are plenty of Navy SEAL books out there on, you know, about great leadership. But what we wanted to really do is translate it into real-world experience. You know, take the experiences that I've had with great organizations. You know, worked at the Dave Ramsey organization, voted best place to work at least 10, 11 times. I work at TCW Global now. I've been working with them and voted best place to work in, in, in our city for eight straight years. And so what is it that, that these, these companies do that is different and how can we connect the dots on what great military groups like the Navy SEALs do and, and how can we pass that along? Here's the, here's the reality. When you talk to leaders, they don't think they're the problem. 70% of leaders think that it's somebody else and that their team loves them and then that's it. And we know that works out because 30, only 30% typically of people actually like their boss. And so there's this crossover where it's almost the same amount of people who, who hate their boss, their boss think actually thinks they like them or the boss thinks they're not the problem at all. And that's, that's an issue. And then the second thing Kyle, I want to tap into Kyle said is that, you know, I think most people think I have to rely on the leader. You know, this book is for a leader. But the reality is you have to start where you're at. You could be part of the problem because you have three people in your grouping or your coworkers that you see treated poorly. And so you don't have a good example. So you think that's what leadership is. And so you just kind of do it. So yeah, um, you need to start with the branch you're on. Like if this is the chair you're in, make the three people around you great. Acknowledge them. Tell them you appreciate them. Work together. Say, hey, how do we work on this project together? And but there's too much politics that goes on internally. There's too many leaders that are too unwilling to give up control. Um, and so we just continue to create this vortex of terribleness year after year, um, no matter how much money we throw at the problem. Hi, folks. Here's Foss here with a little station break. Hope you're enjoying the show so far. We'll resume here in a second. Uh, I'd like to invite you to come to my coaching 
speaking and training courses website. You can also see our new podcast over there at chrisvossleadershipinstitute.com. Over there, you can find all the different stuff that we do for speaking engagements, if you'd like to hire me, uh, training courses that we offer, and coaching for leadership, management, entrepreneurism, uh, podcasting, corporate stuff. Uh, with over 35 years of experience in business and running companies as a CEO, and be sure to check out Chris Voss Leadership Institute.com. Now back to the show. It seems like a lot of people just give lip service to it. It's kind of like the people that buy books, and I'm guilty of this, buying books and then never reading them and thinking that somehow by owning the book you get osmosis. <laughs> you know, it's the people that always go to motivational seminars but can never get motivated. It's like you've been to Tony Robbins like 10 fucking times <laughs> and you're still depressed. Like maybe it's, uh, maybe it's not Tony Robbins you need in your life. Maybe... I don't know, whatever. It's funny. You know, I feel like things like that, it's like motivation without instruction is sometimes useless. You got me excited. I'm ready. But what's, what's next? We're really ready. Claim, nobody that buys our book will, will not read it. We know that everyone who purchases our book will actually absolutely read it. It's, it's too hard to put down for sure. There you go. And I think All it's right, I'm not, I'm not serious if you, if you can't see me, um, but it is what it is. Uh, we can see you. We see you and we hear you, Chris. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so, uh, any of your thoughts, Kyle, on that? You know, I, it's, it's an interesting, I'd like to actually throw it back to you, Mr. Voss is, sure. you know, you've had a lot of great guests on the show. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess that kind of goes towards the author dilemma, if you will, right? You, you understand and know what you're putting into a book or mm -hmm. a project for per se, and then you are faced with that dilemma where you want it to be di in a digestible manner and you want it to be entertaining where people mm -hmm. keep, you know, turning the pages as Chris just said. Um, so, you know, along that vein, you know, I'd put it even to you. you like, what was the challenges you kind of faced when you were, when you were kind of framing yours out and ensuring was, that it was. When I was sitting yeah. there going, no one's going to read this shit. <laughs> I don't know. You know, my, we had, my, we had the same conversations. My, my luck with, with my book, uh, Beacon's leadership was, um, uh, you know, I've been telling these stories for a million years, and and I and I'd hoed them and and told them, and and some were interesting, and I don't know, more were interesting to me probably than others. I don't fucking know. Mm. Um, but uh, uh, you know, trying to just the stories were already there. The second book is the one I'm having fun with because I I can't rely on any of my stories that I've been carrying around for thirty years, telling people at parties that were, were like, really, this guy. Um, but no, you know, it's hard to frame them and make them interesting. You know, leadership, sometimes business is hard to talk about, but, you know, putting into frames of stories, uh, and I'm sure you probably have a lot of stories from your Navy SEALs day to, to make it appeal today. And that's what people love. They love the stories. They love, you know, seeing how that works. And that's really what we do. I mean, that's what the show does. We tell stories and I make up all this shit anyway. I mean. I'm just well, we we got serious about that when Kyle and I started talking about this. I'm like, we can't do another business book that's just full of stats and data. And while we have that, you know, we've got uh, we've got really good stories about Aretha Franklin and how oh. she created her stuff. We've got stories about Icelandic soccer. We've got stories about monks and Mother Teresa. We've got stories about 19th century explorers. We've got obviously Navy SEAL stories and business stories as well woven in. But we tried to make it like full of information, but also really make it fun to read like some interesting things that you know people weren't aware of that and people they know and situations they're aware of that they have probably had no idea that that's the way that they were operating um, push. go ahead 
Well, I was just going to say, you know, earlier Kyle said, you know, leadership is overrated, focus on the team, you know, don't focus so much on yourself. And it's like, duh, that's what, you know, everyone says. So why does nobody do it? But the reality is, you know, I worked for Dave Ramsey, you know, he's in the Radio Hall of Fame. We were a hundred million dollar company telling people to get on a budget. I mean, the, the easy <laughs> stuff, Ginny Craig, literally a billion dollar business out of telling people to eat fewer calories than they burn. Um, you know, sometimes it's the easy stuff that's the hardest to, to pull together for ourselves. And I feel like leadership is that, you know, I, when I've talked to people about the book and, and, and said, hey, from leadership groups and said, hey, here's the title, they, they want to fight back. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's ridiculous. That's not true. And, and I mean, it's part of the because they're so indoctrinated into the system mm-hmm. um, that we need to focus, 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 focus on the leader that they just can't possibly break free from that kind of thinking. And, and they're part of the problem, obviously. And, you know, but I like what you guys did with the book with the leadership is overrated because it, it's catches and you go, wait, what? And, it, you know, I've read a lot of leadership books. I've been a leader, a CEO since I was 18 when I started my first company and mm. lots of companies. Um, and so I'm really over it. I'm tired. I want to go home. Um, but the thing is, 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 I, I still read leadership books to this day and um, being able to look at things from so many different angles. And, you know, it's like one of those, uh, what's the old thing they say about the teacher? The teacher learns more than the student. And so being able to look at something from a different angle or a paradigm or, you know, how did the SEALs look at this? You know, we've had people on from the Air Force. We have people from the Army. I hope that's okay with you guys. Uh, <laughs> we, people we from the military, yes. Shout out to both know, services. Both know, have guess, saved my life. So I'm forever go. grateful. <laughs> there you go. My brother is a Marine. So, you know, he, he sometimes has, he's, he has that whole like, there's other guys. You're just like, I think he has issues with the Coast Guard, and uh, who doesn't, right? Um, sorry, I just lost the two guys in the Coast Guard. Mm-hmm. But, you know, being able to take things from a different angle, you, you get these epiphanies. And even now, I'll be listening to a book on leadership, and, and, and I'll say, oh, okay, this is a different way to look at that. Or I never looked at it that way. And so I, I think it's a good it's a good thing to do because I'm a real out-of-the-box thinker. I mean, I'm always trying to get outside the box and trying to uh, – you know, look at things from different angles because that's how you can problem solve, right? Um, Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, I'll be, I'll be very interested to learn and I'll give your listeners an inside, uh, inside scoop uh, from my perspective. When I initially set out to, to, to do this with Chris, I was really focused on, you know, developing culture, like how you can actually refine, mold it and custom create a very customatic, a very custom culture that you're actually desiring. And so I will be very interested to see how many of our readers pick that up and garner that aspect of the book um, from, from how we framed it out. Because uh, for me, that was very, I think, very unique in what we, uh, in what we did. I mean, it's broken into really three sections on how you define it uh, and then how you build it and then how do you sustain it. Um, mm-hmm. not just around creating self-leading teams that win. It's also, hey, how do you actually custom create and define a culture that you're looking for? If, whether it be, you know, high energy or a very chill, relaxed environment and on and on and on. So uh, I'm, I'm really curious to find out. I, I think the, uh, the Chris Voss listeners are going to be the ones that really uh, <laughs> really pick up on that piece. Yeah. Yeah. Kyle, why don't you share? Uh, Kyle, talk to Chris. 
um, you know, whether you want to focus on your culture or not, you'll get a culture. Yeah, that's organization. that's a great point. It, and, but it's coming and it, it could potentially be one you hate. I've, I can't tell you how many leaders, and it's surprising the fact that I can even say that, make that statement. I can't tell you how many leaders have told me, I don't, I'm not happy with my team or I don't know what to do. And I'm like, you know, you're the problem and the solution. Like you can't ignore it. Um, and just mm. and expect it to uh, this amazing, great culture to happen. You know, Jim Collins said it best. You know, you have to choose to be great every day, just like you have to choose to create the environment and the organization you want. And so many people and leaders feel hamstrung. And I'm like, you know, aren't you in charge? Don't you make the shot? Like, call the shots? Like, didn't you start this thing? Like, how did you let it get so far out of hand? And you know, Kyle talks a lot about that. Um, you know, and how you have to choose and and you know, really the SEALs choose to do that, be great. We're not going to ignore our culture. We're going to focus on this is who we are. This is how we talk. This is what we do. This is how we do it. Um, to the point, Kyle, I keep feeling like I'm stealing your story. So jump in here, please. Admit, like, which is, you know, hey, the, the SEALs don't practice until they do it right. You know, Kyle, Kyle shared, um, we practice until it's impossible for us to get it wrong. Mm -hmm. yeah. that, I mean, that's a culture thing that comes through. Yeah. There you go. I actually want to jump back because we just went right past it. And I'm fascinated to ask Mr. Voss, what was the company when you were 18? Uh, my first company I fell into, I'd grown up with my, uh, helping my father with this stucco foundation, plastering, cement, stucco business. And, uh, you know, it was the thing to get my, my mom to get us out of the house for the summer. Um, sure. And so I, we, I, you know, I kind of learned the business from him. With, and I hated every aspect of it. And uh, the story was I was working McDonald's as a teen. And uh, how do we get through this quickly? And and someone took a, a religious guy took a shine to my long hair and my satanic Van Halen t-shirts because, you know, everyone knows satanic. Uh, Van Halen's completely satanic, of course, <laughs> the devil. Um, I should flesh and devil horns here or something Dio would do um and so uh he took a shine to me and wanted me to get fired and i and i outwitted him by getting uh doing what the girls do and got a hairnet he wanted me to cut my hair and uh about two weeks later or something like that he caught me pulling my hair out of the hairnet and realized that i i got him he's a bully so he fired me and uh so i went home and told my dad and i go i don't know what i'm gonna do and i was supposed to go to college but my parents were poor it's gonna be a pell grant so um he goes why don't you just go you know, the cement stuff's in the back. He moved on to some other businesses, but he goes, you know, I got my account at the builders thing, you know, you can, you know what to do. Just go sell it and do it. I was like, uh, uh okay. So I did it and you know, he was really, he was really respected in, in what he did. So I knew how to do it well. And, you know, I went out as this kid and, and, uh, you know, here I am this green 18 year old, skinny as shit, dumb as shit. And uh, I'm telling these guys I know how to do this, and I know how to do it really well. My dad, my dad ran a good business with it and, and taught me well. And so, and so the, these, you know, these salty motherfucking con construction guys would be like, "You got to be kidding me!" And I'd be like, "No." And so I came up with this concept from sales. I said, "I said, I'll tell you what, you let me do. I'll give me a house. I'll go fucking do it. And if it's not done right, you don't have to pay me." And you tell construction uh, guys that you don't have to pay them if it's not done right <laughs> they'll you have the whole damn project because um, they weren't going to pay you anyway uh, so uh, I did that and I, I scored a bunch of shit and they're like holy shit this kid knows what he's fucking doing and so uh, that, that was my first con I didn't like there was no sitting around going I'm going to be an entrepreneur or any of that bullshit that we think about nowadays right, it was right. 
it was just like, I just went, I didn't even think I was an entrepreneur. I'm just like, I don't know, I'm making a buck or two. So there you go. <laughs> I, love um, I love it. I started my first business in it as a teenager. So I love hearing oh, uh, other people's cool. stories. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't even think about it. Either. You know, nowadays, like all these kids are like, hey, it's going to be, and you know, back, back then you didn't do online stuff. So you, you, you guys mentioned something that was really a, a great paradigm shift that you talked about earlier where, um, and I'm trying to go back to it, uh, but you, you talked about how, uh, I think I've lost where it is, but I know there's something else that I have in there. Um, you talk about how uh, giving, um, I can't, I can't, I can't get it to flush back up. There was something you talked about, though, that was a great paradigm shift in, in leadership. Do you, do you know what that was? Did I? Well, there was a couple of things. You know, one is when we, we give the focus back on the team. Chris, mm -hmm. you know, we, it's kind of a paradox, like we call it. Um, if I give all the credit to the team mm -hmm. and I don't take any credit as a leader, Kyle did it, it was an amazing job. Chris Voss, the, the, his radio show and podcast is one of the best ever. He, he does the whole thing, you know, and I go on and on and on and they say, hey, Chris, good job. Nope, wasn't me. It was the team. Um, you know, the paradox is I actually look good. When I give all the credit away, I actually look better. But what mm -hmm. leaders tend to do is they want to say, thank you. I did do an amazing job. Thank you. It was amazing. Thank you. I did lead this team well. Um, and so it, it sort of demoralizes the team because they, they don't feel appreciated. But the reality is you can accomplish both by giving it away. Um, but too many leaders are so focused on themselves and their opportunities and their, their in many ways, their arrogance and insecurities um, that they're afraid to do that because they don't want to get left behind which leads to a, a loss of empowerment for your team. Empowerment's one of the key ways to you know, create a self-led team. Um, and so there's no trust. Um, and it just kind of, you know, sort of creates this spiral of frustrating. And then all of a sudden he doesn't like the team. And so he lets somebody go. And now you got to find someone else. And it's really just a matter of, <laughs> you know, stepping up and, and empowering and giving acknowledgement and, you know, letting other people take the credit and, you know as silly as that sounds as a leader that is not what is happening across corporations small businesses to big businesses across the united states of america today we like to say it is we like to dream up these boardrooms where we have this big leader who makes all the decisions and everybody loves but that's just a that's just a hollywood trope um that doesn't exist survey after survey no matter how who who does it or how many times we take it there you go. And so you guys talk about the humble leadership approach and six six practices that uh, distinguish uh, remarkable leaders instead of the leaders that you've been talking about that are just kind of, it's all about me sort of thing. Do you want to tease out any of the six practices? Oh, geez, this is a test. You know, we'll grab, We're like, testing to see if you yeah. know what you wrote. You want to throw them at us? And, um, uh, inspire, empower, and elevate teams to new heights with humble yeah. leadership. Yeah, um, the six practices were uh, listen more and talk less, ah. uh, show appreciation. Uh, number three was step out of the spotlight. Number four, admit when you've made a mistake. Self-accountability? Ooh. And, what? you know, <laughs> I talk about um, I talk about one of my my mistakes in our book. One of my big mistakes that I made as a as a leader um, uh, with the SEAL teams. Uh, and thank goodness it was in training. 
but uh, it was still a mistake. Uh, and if I didn't own that mistake and uh, bring it to light, all it would have done is, you know, labeled me as a liar when the truth finally would have came to light. Uh, number five was di- don't micromanage. And then uh, lastly, the biggest one is uh, welcome the criticism. My One of my favorite things, and this, this one definitely came from the uh, team's uh, one of my favorite things around welcoming the criticism is after every single mission, you know, we'd come back, back to what I was saying earlier about, you know, taking care of the gear, get all the gear done, put all your stuff away, everything's cleaned off. And then we all get back to the hooch. Um, and if, you know, if it's a training scenario, maybe we could crack a beer if we're in the middle of Afghanistan, you get tea, <laughs> but uh, you crack a tea or a beer open and everyone sits down in a circle and we just literally go around the circle and we go, all right, Kyle, your turn. And I go, Hey, on building B one four seven, I went into the second room and I went left and I should have went right. I don't know what I was thinking. It caused Joe to come behind me and stack up the train behind me, the uh, tactical element, and it just jacked a lot of things up. And I, I'm, I'm so sorry, guys. Like that was my mistake. And everyone just removes their ego from that room, from that moment, ranks thrown out the door, and we just go to town. And in those moments, like, hey, the new guy that's been there for two weeks, all the way up to, you know, the oldest guy in the room is allowed to pick each other apart and just go, yeah, yeah, just write it down. Let's all be better. Let's all learn from, you know, Kyle's mistakes. Let's all learn from Chris's mistakes. And it's a very <laughs> a humbling, humbling uh, exercise. But uh, but uh, because it's part of the culture, it's just uh, you know an everyday affair. I love that though because it's self accountability and also teaches that you know the the leader isn't infallible. And then I mean you know you're that's a life or death situation. If people aren't learning right. from mistakes in the in the U.S. Navy and SEALs, that's a life or death situation. Because if you're just kind of continuing to operate in your own blind spot, la la land. You know, right. somebody's going to get killed, or a platoon's going to get killed, or a squad, or whatever. Um, so, and, Chris, and then, go ahead. Just, I, I just want to insert there. Like, I, I feel like what you just said is is really the problem with leadership culture. Is you know, it, and there's nothing wrong with what you said. You know, it proves that the leader is not, infall- not infallible. They can make mistakes, right? But we've put the onus back on the leader. But the reality is, in that situation, what is happening, and what is the most powerful part of that is that the team sees we all need to fess up to our mistakes as quickly as possible so we can find solutions together as quickly as possible. And that's really the most powerful lesson there. Simply the leader owning up to being normal and doing that is important. But the, the real lesson here is the focus is on the team because it teaches the team that they need to own up to their mistakes as fast, no, no matter their rank, um, so that we can quickly solve issues and move on and not hide from them, which is what a lot of leaders, you know, typically do. They definitely do. And then you just end up with piles of what I call scotomas. I think I got that from Tony Robbins blind spots where mm-hmm. people are unaware of what's going on as a leader. If you're not aware of, of things going on in your organization, or if people are just hiding stuff, you know, um, one of the things I read years ago was, um, I forget where this is coming from, but it was, it was, it was a book about, uh, I can't bring it uh, forward, but it, it was about a learning or how to build a learning organization. I forget the guy who wrote it. He wrote two books on it. 
And it was, it was about building an organization that learns, that can make mistakes and learn from them as opposed to, you know, like, oh, shit, we shouldn't tell anybody, you know, uh, who broke the copier this week or something, you know. Um, and, uh, you know, th there's a famous Tom Watson. I think it was Tom Watson of IBM. Uh, it's a famous story from IBM um, where uh, a vice president loses like $12 million on some, you know, some, I don't know, whatever he approved. And he walks in the CEO's office and goes, hey, you're, I'm probably here tender my resignation. He's like, hell no, we're not firing you. Uh, we're not letting you quit. You just cost $12 million. We just educated you with $12 million. We're not, we're not losing you. You learned that was something. a costly lesson. We, we, yeah. we got to get our money back. <laughs> we want our money back. And so uh, it's interesting there. One question I had, this is what I, I finally came back to. That's what radical. I was trying to remember. Very is, radical. Very radical, because I'm not sure I would do the same. I would be like, I'd be standing by the tree shredder by the lake and Fargo <laughs> going, I don't know about it. Uh, let me think about it. So um, step into here. Uh, so uh, one thing I wanted to ask you guys about, because you guys talk about building small teams, and it, it kind of uh, hit me with the paradigm. One of the things that I believe in is the same thing you guys do, believing in culture, sitting in an environment. And if you don't set that out front, that's what I love. That's what I was trying to get back to. You guys said, if you don't set a culture, if you don't set an environment, if you don't set a healthy, you're going to have, you know, they're going to set it anyway. And it's probably going right. to be toxic and it's going to be ugly. And that's, that's like, you should guys have a shirt for that. Um, if you don't set a culture, one will set for you. Um, right. But uh, how does, what do you guys think about this? When a leader can set a culture from a very high point, is there a way that that culture can get misaligned, misinterpreted, by having all these small teams, I guess that's a devil in the details question for you. Mm. You know, like well, if one leader in the small team decides that he's going to just create some other fucking culture. I mean, yeah, the, the answer is the answer is yes and no, mm. right? Um, yes, it can absolutely happen. That's a, that's such a great question. It absolutely can happen, but you know, it goes back to what you were kind of getting to. You know, just a minute before was around, you know that radical, if you will, think thinking. Mm -hmm. um, and then how is that radical thinking supported through rituals? You know, are the rituals uh, reinforcing the culture? Um, right. Er, and we talk about it. So, but uh, uh, what kind of rituals do the small teams have that then now reinforce the culture? Mm -hmm. um, and are you, you know, allowing those rituals to improve um and they're not they're not growing and dying on the vine and they're or they're not becoming archaic or they're not becoming you know stank for lack of a better word <laughs> you know mm -hmm. uh are you are you literally allowing those team leaders and those teams to improve on the rituals and then ensuring that, you know, Hey, this is translated uh, throughout the other teams when it is a real big improvement that could actually reinforce, you know, the, the culture or the culture improvement, as I like to say, does that make, does that make sense? Paul? Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, I'll throw in too. I'll just throw in a little aside. You know, I think that there's two sides of that. You know, I think the question you're asking maybe is, Hey, what happens is the cultures are misaligned in different parts. You know, you've got that. And so how do you do that? And then the second part is you generally have some core values that the whole company operates under. But I think it's okay for you and your department to have additional values that you operate. Hey, when it comes to my marketing division, here's how we operate. You know, we're not, we don't just take orders to do things. We also think about how to push and promote 
things out and you know we have fun we we take each other seriously we use our strengths to lift each other's weaknesses versus you know complaining about each other's weaknesses kyle has this chris has that let's just tap into what we're good at and and stop focusing on what we're not good at um and the, you know that's the core value that we have that maybe is different from what the whole company operates under uh for that but as far as getting everybody on charge i mean you, chris you bring up a good point and it is a it's a mighty task because if you don't have the senior level leadership on board, you probably will end up with sections and pockets that don't fall in alignment. And it's frustrating as we see. I mean, that's why the state of leadership in America is so broken. Um, but the reality is you have to focus on your where you are, you know, whether you're uh, you've just been hired out of college and you're an intern you have influence over two or three people around you, how you do, how you act, act, what you do and how you say it. And people will notice that, you know, if you're a senior vice president, you have more influence. And so you have more responsibility to make sure all those around you are on the same page. But it's not, um, you know, you can, people will notice and say, hey, I want more of that. How do I get more of that? You know, what are you doing that's different? Can you come over here? I want to, can teach us how to do that. Um, and I think you'd be surprised and leaders would be surprised um, that if you step in and start to do those little things, people notice and they notice in a very, very positive way. Yeah. I love the, and I'd I like the, to, but good. Go I'd like, you know, one other thing too, that we, that we kind of frame out is, is certain things don't necessarily matter. So it's, it's finding that balance of, Hey, what ritual can we reinforce and empower as mm -hmm. opposed to what specific ritual can you leave to the individual? A great example, a great example, I believe is a ritual before uh, a mission right? A seal, a Navy seal mission, right? Mm -hmm. Some guys, uh, will write a letter, uh, home, oh, yeah. Yeah. uh, to their wife. It won't get sent. It'll be just printed out yeah. and put in an envelope. Right. Uh, some guys will, you know, recite some Bible verses, uh, or take a cross underneath their kid or a flag under a flag in between their body armor and their chest. Wow. Um, and, and, my point of why I bring some of the, these are just some examples, right? You can obviously just, your mind can think of others. But my point is, is like, we don't have to state, hey, there's only one ritual allowed for this thing. No. Right? Like that no. doesn't need to be stated. Um, what matters is, you know, the the very specific mission planning, for example, or back to what I was saying earlier, the, the after action review where we, you know, criticize each other and humble each other in a good way. But uh, I just wanted to add that in. What, what were you about to say, Chris, boss? Oh, I was just going to have some fun with it. I was going to say, um, please, please. That's what I do. I round out everyone's ideas at the end. <laughs> Love it. Uh, and then I put a bow on it or I try to. I swing for the fences. Um, sometimes they miss. Uh, and sometimes I do too many segues. Uh, so, uh, I love the ritual thing. Like you talked about where you sit down post mission and you're criticizing right. each other in a, in a, in a constructive sort of way. And, and you, right. and you, and you, and you push for self accountability. And I, I think I, I'm, I'm envisioning that in the business office where people sit around and go, uh, you know, hey, uh, you didn't do your TPS reports this week, and Maggie, Maggie says, yeah, I'm sorry for bringing fish into the microwave this week, and you know that sort of shit. Um, sounds like an uh, episode of Office, really, when it comes down to. It. But no, I, I love the whole rituals idea, and maybe that's what more um, CEOs and leaders need to do is they need to say we want to establish culture, but also what are our rituals? Right. So, um, yeah, I think like a good a good example, right, is 
a lot of companies, public public companies, will get ready for you know quarter release, mm-hmm. right? And then it's done, and then they just and then they just watch the market to see how the market reacts, as opposed to sitting down and doing their own internal AAR and saying, "Hey, what can we do? What could we have done better? How was our call?" How was the the CEO while he was on the uh, the phone? What could he have done in his in his vernacular and his presentation and his voice and his tempo? I mean, and on and on and on. I think honestly, a little sidebar here. I think one thing that going back a little bit that uh, Elon Musk actually did recently at I think it was April or May. It was Q one uh, Investor Day. He got up and it wasn't all about Elon. He had like 25 for Tesla, excuse me, for Tesla. He did, he had like 25 of his senior leaders on stage with him and he wasn't even holding a mic. Like they were holding the mics. Right. And he was just there supporting them and, and, uh, you know, championing them on. It was, it was pretty interesting and pretty cool to watch. And then it's, and then it's funny. It's it's kind of sidebar. Now I'm going down rabbit holes. Uh, but it was kind of funny to watch how uh, the analysts of Wall Street completely, you know, they they gave him a lit, a couple of them gave him good props for it, but not too many. Yeah, it, it's an interesting thing. We'll see how X works out. Uh, those of you watching yeah. years from now, yesterday he uh, <laughs> yesterday and today he's changing it from Twitter to X, which is an interesting branding decision. Um, so this is going to be a great book on leadership. And like I say, I I love reading leadership books because. There's always something that I'll end up reading or some things that I'll end up reading that bring me a new paradigm. Or a lot of times, too, it's the reminder. You're like, oh, shit, I forgot about that. I forgot about that aspect. I got to go back and work mm-hmm. on that. You know, that's, it was a problem I used to have where, you know, it, it's, I think it was, is it John Wooden, the basketball coach? And he used to always say to his players, hey, you know, great layup and great slam dunk, okay, buddy? But you can't, you can't shoot from the three throw. Mr. Shaq. So uh, let's see you work the basics, get back to basics. And so being able to read about leadership and, and get back to the basics, see things from a different paradigm makes all that thing. So thank you very much, gentlemen, for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having there me. You're welcome. Can I do a teaser? Yeah, go ahead. Please Look, do. Hey, here's the, here's the first paragraph of our, of our book. How did a group of 19th century explorers survive a deadly winter in Antarctica? Trapped in ice, no working instruments to guide them, and a sunless existence that turned men mad. It might have had something to do with penguins. Ah, penguins. Was Batman? Read on. It's a good lesson. Hey, this has been great, Chris. You've asked some amazing questions. I think that, you know, um, Kyle and I like to be challenged and and our conversations that we do with the media such as you, and um, we always, uh, you know, circle up afterwards, and I know that when I circled with Kyle, he's going to say, hey, Chris Foss, he asked a lot of good questions. And they think, so. Are we going to have a circle meeting? We're all going to be self-accountable after this? Yeah, we can do that. That'd be great. <laughs> there was that one moment yeah. that Chris forgot me, Chris Voss, forgot uh, the question that he was thinking of that for a while there and setting up. Um, but we got back to it, so I was glad that we discovered it. That's right. Uh, funny wrap-up. I'll just soapbox to the end here. Uh, funny wrap-up. I went back to that manager who fired me two to three months later and said to him, I now make more than you did. Thank you for changing my life. Thank you for fucking firing me. And I shook his hand. I was honest about it. It wasn't a fuck you. It was like, thank you for changing my life. And I had no idea how much he really changed my life by putting, making me self entrepreneur yeah. because, you know, once you get that drug, you're fucked 
for life and i am so hey, not just matter. sorry it, it, i can't tell how many people i've let go they're like thank you for letting me go i think <laughs> we think that people would feel awkward and what you've done is you free them to go actually pursue yeah. what they were really meant yeah. to do yeah. but they hold on to you for so long that they're hurt, you're hurting them and they're hurting you so yeah that's the favorite thing i take to all my ex-girlfriends um <laughs> You need to go and you fly. Find find what the fuck you want. I hope you find uh, it. I mean, I don't know if you can attach it to all your exes, Chris, but um, possibly. I've got a lot of exes. Uh, and then they always say, uh, you'll never find another woman like me. And I'm like, that's the point. Anyway, guys, uh, give us your .com so people can find you guys in the interwebs. Leadershipisoverrated.com. I've been single for 35 years, Tom. Oh, I've never been married, wife and kids. I, I, I'm single, man. I, I've dated all my life, so I'm, I'm stuck with it. Uh, I've seen it all. Um, and did we get everybody's dot coms? Yeah, we're the talent yeah. out there yeah. together. There you go. Yeah. You, guys are, uh, you guys are a pair. All right. Well, uh, thank you very much for coming on the show. Uh, order up the book wherever fine books are sold. Leadership is overrated. How the Navy SEALs and successful businesses create self Leading Teams That Win comes out August 29th, 2023. Uh, thanks for joining me on the show with my audience. We certainly appreciate it without you guys. Hey, go give us uh, five stars over there on iTunes. Go to goodreads.com for says Chris Foss, LinkedIn.com for says Chris Foss, YouTube.com. I already did YouTube. Anyway, you know where we're at. Fuck it. You've been here for 14 years. Thanks for tuning in. Be good to each other. Stay safe, and we'll see you guys next time.